Hey everyone. Hey guys. Welcome to Rooted in Time Genealogy with your host Nicole and Melody. We are two sisters creating a podcast that uses genealogy, history, and psychology intermixed with a smattering of generational trauma to bring to life a 4D view of our ancestors. Today we're continuing our Trauma Begets Trauma series by using genealogical records, newspaper articles, historical context, and oral interviews to take a deep look into the family life of Percy Wright. We would again like to thank our mother and uncles for their help in better understanding our grandfather. As an addition, we will again be including some snippets of an interview we had with them to gather further information and preserve stories. If you have not heard the previous podcast about his early life, we would highly recommend you listen to that podcast prior to listening to this podcast. Links to source material are available at rootedintime.net. You will find primary source documents, relevant newspaper articles, and images, if available. A list of our services can be found there as well. Also, be sure to check out the blogs that you can find on the website that may have more detailed information if any of these topics interest you. So we do have some trigger warnings. Throughout the series, instances of family violence, emotional, mental, and physical abuse, incest, childhood abuse, neglect, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, and sexual assault will be discussed. So we completely understand if you are unable to finish this series. And if you are in a domestic violence situation, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. You can also send a text with the word START to 88788. If you are in need of local mental health or domestic violence resources, you can always call 211 and receive assistance from the United Way. If you are in an emergency situation or having a mental health crisis, please dial 911. We're going to start where we kind of left off last time, and that was with Percy. He got married to Helen, who was 16 at the time. They had to elope in Tennessee because she did not have permission. She lied about her age, said she was 18, and was able to marry Percy, mainly because... It was her out. Yeah, it was her way to get out. It was was the same thing for uh, Aunt Sonny. I mean, Aunt Sonny was 14 years old and got married because it was just like they lived in a house that had... uh, a floor that you can see underneath the house that had chickens running around underneath the house. So, and they lived in the hollers. So any way they could get out back then, the girls would get married early. Mom told me that um, she married dad because at such a young age, because she just wanted to get out of the house because, you know, grandma was an alcoholic and she was raising um, Ginger and Uncle Nick. We were trying to figure out how they got, how they met. I actually think he was delivering something to where she, around the area she lived on a repeated basis. She said that he was the most gorgeous guy around. See, and I thought she had seen him at the logging place and he was like the cutest one there. And so all the girls wanted him and she, quote, won him. Hmm. Won him. Oh, I've never heard that story, but I like that one too. Either way, both stories talk about his looks. Like he was gorgeous. And you can go into the source material for the podcast and I will have a picture of him. I have a picture of him posted. So you can always judge for yourself. But either way, they got married. 
And within that first year, she gets pregnant and is going to have a child. So she has her first kid named Roger. Which, if you didn't know, Percy's middle name was Roger. So I think that's why they named him Roger. Okay. So there's Do you think he actually went by Roger or do you think he went by something else? No, he actually went by Roger. I've (laughs) never he's one that I've never heard a different name for. Now we won't all these other kids, they have multiple names. And Yeah. (laughs) So side note, our grandma will call her kids all like different names than their legal one. So (laughs) that's why I had said that. Yes. One of the things that happened early on in their marriage was Percy gets arrested for drunk driving and this is <laughs> shortly after his uh discharge from the military I would like to read a little of it because it is if drunk driving wasn't such a like have horrible consequences this would actually be kind of funny this would be something so. that I would think you would see in some kind of comedy yes. kind of show He was pulled over at 3 a.m. on New Year's Day, resembling a Christmas tree. And the heading for this is tinsel-covered motorist nabbed for being drunk in the Beckley Post-Herald. Apparently, he was decorated with with tinsel, Christmas tree balls, streamers of crinkled green cellophane. And as soon as... As one does... He tried to stand erect, you know, after he got out of his car and he fell into his car door. So he oh my was God. a wee bit drunk. A wee. So they said, this was the funny thing also. So you have him, you have him dressed up and whatnot. And it said that from complaint to arrest took only 17 minutes. Could you imagine being the cops that pulled him over? I could like, imagine it, and I would just been like, "Sir, what are you doing? You cannot drink and drive. You can dress up all you want, but you cannot drink and drive." And why are you wearing that outfit? And what happened? Where was this? Uh, What's going on? Y'all had a very good New Year's, apparently. Well, and so if he can't even stand up. You know, because he's just covered in this stuff and cellophane. How was he driving in general? How, how, how he was drunk how on top of it. Did you yeah. have to jump into your car, like hop, do a hop kind of thing to get to your car? And then- no, the officers that took him into the reason they have the time thing because they wanted to show the 17 minutes, but the officers that took him into custody said he was very drunk, smelling of alcohol, and unsteady on his feet. So yeah, somehow yeah. he figured out how to put how to... in the hole. <laughs> now, I don't know much about vehicles, especially in the 50s, but they probably weren't automatic transmissions, right? No, I don't I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so anyways. <laughs> I mean, I can call Devin in here and ask. He might so. know. Um, but no, I have no idea. Yeah, I just thought of that. That's why. Well, I like power it. steering, was that a thing? Oh, like, I don't know when that became a thing. Yeah, because this is <laughs> this was fifty six, so it's pretty early. If anybody's a car person, let us know. Yeah, because that. Uh, so I just wanted to share that because that was a uh, one. It shows yes, the drunk driving, but maybe ah, he okay, has so. Some humor. 
It was the early 1930s that power steering was first applied to heavy trucks and military vehicles. In the late 1960s and into the 70s, the big steering wheel still graced steering columns. Oh. Okay. So he was All right. struggling. Well, I yeah. learned something today. Yes. <laughs> something I never thought that I I don't know would that I remember that, but it is there. <laughs> so, okay. I was curious. In that same year, he ends up on probation for a year. Okay. And has to pay restitution. Yeah. Yeah, norm sort of thing. I don't know if dressing up as a Christmas tree and driving is a norm, but it's something. It's something. I don't know. I might do it just to get people's reactions, but I would not be drunk while doing it. Yeah. Just make sure you are able to have all of your appendages free and able to be (laughs) to move appropriately especially with drivers these days you need to be on your guard especially if you live in houston all right so by this point he has one son named roger he -hmm. had roger in july of 53 he was married in 52 so it was in wedlock and then his next son is gonna be born on May 7th, 1956, in Virginia, and his name is Paul. Mm -hmm. Because he's still living, I'm only going to refer to him as Paul throughout this, whenever I reference him. Yes. I found something that nobody seemed to know about at this time, and I don't understand why. I mean, I guess between the birth in May and October that they moved back to, uh, or they moved to Michigan, because I found an article that said Helen Wright requests divorce due to alleged cruelty and non-support. Yeah. Did well, you know yeah. that she tried to get a divorce from him in 56, just after having um, Paul? No. No. Do you know of any that other didn't... times she might have tried, or did she just kind of deal no. with things? No, she wanted to a few times, but he said he'd kill her. So we have the two kids... It's 1956. She's already requesting this. So she's like 19. Yeah. 19, 20 years old doing, Mm -hmm. having to deal with this. Trying to figure things out. And alleged cruelty and non-support. We do know Percy was physically, mentally, emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. to Helen. According to Uncle Rick, he wasn't like that towards all the kids, but he was like that definitively towards his wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just also... So she files, and you just got to think, like, grandma at 19 years old, trying to do that. Navigate that, plus the kids. And no support anywhere, because she ran from her family, so that was already... And they wouldn't have really supported at the time anyways. No, no. So it's like she was trying to do this by herself. Yeah. The next article I found was um, an order for appearance because they would put them in newspapers because that would kind of be how you were served. Yeah. And according to the allegation from Helen, not only was there alleged cruelty and non-support, he wasn't even residing in Michigan. He was back in Virginia or West Virginia. So they were separated by all accounts. Yeah, they like they weren't in the same place together at this point in time. Huh. Okay. I wonder how they reconnected. I'm sure he came back when he needed something. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, that would be my guess. Because mm-hmm. by 19, February of 58, she has another kid, so he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Philip Michael Wright, who is known as Michael, not Philip. I was very confused when I first saw Philip. And then Anthony Wright in 59, and that's Tony. Tony. And after Tony came Rick, who was born in 1961, followed by Lisa. Lisa is then born in California, and if anyone remembers the podcast about Vasper and him getting arrested in California, there there has already been a connection in the family to California. I don't know of any connection in Ohio. I don't know. I know they were saying that they were, he mostly moved to find work. Work, yeah. Was uh, what Rick was saying. 1967, he is going to plead guilty to stealing a saber saw from Kmart. And I'm going to let you listen to some clips about that particular incident. You ever see one where he got arrested in a Kmart? For getting a saber saw? Yes. Yes. We were with him. Oh, value was $29.99. What happened? We were in the store. It was me and Tony and Paul. I don't remember who else was there. And we went into Kroger. I mean, went into Kmart in Benton Harbor. And he just walked out the store with it in his hand. And they arrested oh God. him. Mom had, to come. Mom had to come and get him. Come and get us. Yep. I remember that. That was pretty brazen. <laughs> well, he was drunk. He didn't give a flip. You know? Oh, okay. It just so happened the police department wasn't too far away. And you know, I guess they seen him with it, and I, I don't I don't know exactly how that all worked out. I just remember going out the door, and there was a policeman there. Percy is married to Helen. Yes. Percy and Helen have the following kids. They have Roger first, then Paul, then Philip, Michael, Anthony, or known as Tony, Rick, and then Lisa. The only girl with five <laughs> That's five boys and one girl. I'm going to set aside a bunch of snippets right here to let you kind of understand how they saw their father when they were young they were not mm. only scared of him but would try to avoid him um yeah uh, I told <laughs> melody, well i told melody this a while back we were talking about all stuff and um i mean i can remember i'd rather just stay in my room and see the bed than walk past his bedroom I mean, that's how afraid Uncle Rick was. Uncle Rick had said, "I'll tell you, he uh, he has split personality. When Dad wasn't drinking, he was the nicest guy. He worked on everybody's cars for him. He took care of things. He worked on their houses. He just took care of things. And he was just a nice guy when he wasn't drinking. He was like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, yeah. and a lot of that had to do with alcohol. And that's not unlike." what mom would refer to our dad like too so yeah they're very similar (laughs) yeah no it seems it it follows and i'm i'm wondering if vasper was on the same sort of wave band as well ah yeah yeah makes you wonder in 1969 there was an incident that was very traumatic for the whole family philip michael or michael 
passed away from drowning. Um, he drowned in Michi- Lake Michigan. Their house was situated in an area of Benton Harbor where you could easily walk to the shore and go into yeah. Lake Michigan. According, okay, this is one thing. According to the article I read that detailed his death, it appears that Paul and Michael were down there. Michael got like 30 feet off at like six foot water levels and then got rid of his inner tube. And that's when he ended up drowning. Well, his inner tube got away from him. Wasn't yeah. that? Yeah. Well, the article I think said that he went under his inner tube or something, but mm. I'd have to reread it. But yeah, it was, um, though he ended up drowning. The article did not talk about this, but Uncle Rick talks about the fact that his dad went down there and almost drowned himself trying to find Michael. Yeah. It actually kind of ruined the family in more ways than it had been. He blamed my mom for everything. Uh, When he was the one, he wasn't there. He was at home. And we lived right by the beach, so somebody went and got him. And he came, and he went into water and basically drowned himself. Uh, looking for him, trying to save him. And they had to take him to the hospital. It it absolutely made him cry. Because he was sober at the time. I mean, he was at home working on a car. And uh, we had a family reunion down at the beach. It was all, you know, all the cousins and everything down there. And uh, it, it actually made him, it, it just made everything worse in the house. It was, it was bad before, but it was a lot worse after that. Did he like ramp up on the drinking afterwards? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 it seems I, I mean I couldn't swear to that, but it seems like things just got worse at that point because he, my mom was the one that had us down there, therefore it was her fault in his eyes. So was most of his anger at her, or is it at everyone? I think it was just everybody. It was everybody. mostly her, but. But I think it was mostly at people. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking everybody. I mean. Yeah. Just like people I mean, in general. Well, it sounds yeah. like he was just angry yeah. at life and just took it out on anybody and everything that was around him. Right. Exactly. I remember uh, police coming to the house and him opening up the door and said, you know what? I'm this guy's going to build you guys a room right here. since you." And exhausted himself, basically, trying to find Michael in the body of water. Which is Lake Michigan, which if you've ever been to Lake Michigan, it is a huge lake. Yeah, they ended up having to trawl to do the thing where they, to find the body, yeah. like law enforcement, in order to get the body. Uncle Rick remem- remembered that apparently his mom, Helen, had brought them down there. So Percy directly held her responsible for the drowning of her son. Yeah. Which is... It was an accident. Yeah. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't... Yeah. And yeah. I mean, but you'll see that grief is... People have so many different ways of dealing with it. Blame is one of them. But what a thing to put on your spouse. Yeah. I wonder if this was when he would take the prescription med scripts and yeah. like, ask for Percocets. Yeah. I mean, he already had uh, abusing alcohol. And then after something like that happening, it doesn't surprise me that he would, again, go into something even deeper, you know, as a way to self-medicate that loss. And I think this is 
where also all of the kids kind of agreed that this definitely changed a family dynamic. It already wasn't good, but now it was even worse after Michael's death. Yeah, the loss seemed to be something that he was not able to figure out how to appropriately grieve for. Yeah. Mom didn't really say to us at this time, whenever we were kind of talking about it with her recently, but I do remember asking her about it whenever I was younger. And I was like, well, what was Michael like? And I remember her saying that he seemed a little like different. He didn't seem as rough or he seemed there was like a sweetness about him. I can see that in his picture. Yeah. And so it's... Sad to think that he had died so young. Yeah. In a way, I'm glad he didn't have to experience some of the things that would have followed. Yeah, that's true. You know. But also, when Michael was born, Grandma was approached by the doctor and was asked if she'd be willing to sell him Mm -hmm. to the doctor. Oh, yeah, that's right. she has since, according to my mom, made the comment well, maybe if I had sold him, he'd still be alive. Yeah. Because there was something about him having like a halo or something. A veil. A veil. A veil. That's what it was. I knew it was something different, which I'm still not entirely sure what that is supposed to mean. Okay. It says a baby born with a veil over their face means that they have a piece of the amniotic sac still attached to their head or face. Okay. It's extremely rare. Oh. Yeah, so this phenomenon of being born with a veil over a face holds deep spiritual significance in many cultures and traditions. It was, the thought from Grandma Helen, according to Mom, was that he was an angel. Oh, it says in extremely rare cases, in extremely rare cases, a baby can emerge fully inside the sack. So that would be, interesting. So it doesn't sound like it happens often. So that's kind of, I think, why also they were interested in purchasing the baby. So weird. Yeah. Was because of that significance of the culture and stuff. I mean, I guess if it is that rare. Yeah, I don't think it was a black market thing. I think they just wanted to care for the malicious necessarily. No, it didn't sound that way. No, not to us. And I mean, that's hard to say with something like this, but how it was represented was not in like a trafficking sort of idea. It was more of a, we know you're poor. You already have all these kids. Mm -hmm. um, Can we take them type thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Christianity is one that talks about being born with the veil. And according to some interpretations of the Bible, being born with the veil over your face signifies that you are blessed by God and have spiritual gifts or abilities. It is believed that this veil serves as a protection from evil spirits and allows those who are born under it to have heightened intuition and spiritual awareness. And with that part of the family being, see, I don't know if back then, if they were spiritual or you know well like very I know, church oriented well i know with uh, percy his family what methodist right is yes so, early on they do have the christian undertones for sure yeah. i just don't know how religious they were um not only did they have the christian undertones but i know grandma helen had a lot of the the folk wisdom of appalachia yeah that she would pass on 
because there were certain <laughs> things when I was a kid that I found out that was not normal. It just it was part of this the things normal. from Appalachia. <laughs> so and go to the creek and yeah, <laughs> some oh of those uh, medicinal things that aren't really yeah medicinal things. Well, and I mean you can find those kind of things i think anywhere you know old yeah hers were specific or appalachian yeah yeah because i think it's because her family was so poor they had to go out and harvest a lot of what they yeah so she would have known the different things that would have helped in different areas yep i could see that (laughs) i could see that I will tell you, I always thought mom and Michael were around the same age for some reason. I did too. Whenever you were doing the the timeline, I thought Michael was like younger than Tony and Rick. And so I was like, oh, he's not. He was literally the middle child. And that really, when I put the timeline together, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. What? I was a little, I was kind of thrown off by that as well. So you're not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you were under that impression too. Yeah, so that must yeah. have been based on the stories we were told. I always thought that he was like the second youngest or something like that. But maybe it's just because he died so young. It was just like maybe. all of the other kids, you know, kind of grew up, but he was forever young. And maybe that's yeah. why. I don't know. Because he was, how old was he whenever he passed away? Was he like, I think he was 11. 11. See, even yeah. that seems older than I thought. Yeah, I was thinking like eight. Same. Um, When I read the article, the article said, now it doesn't mean the article, I would say 10 or 11. Yeah. But what was also interesting is it said he was 11 going into the either fifth or sixth grade. And so I don't know if he got held back or something at some point. Well, I mean, that sounds about right. Well, 11 for sixth grade, right? yeah, but not if he's going into fifth. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they started at four there, depending on their birth dates his birth date was in february okay he wouldn't have started at four he was probably starting at five because he's in february he he missed the he missed the deadline yeah so he would have been 11 okay okay now as far as relationships between percy and his family members i'm gonna have a genogram up with this information but just to kind of give a rundown like right now what we're seeing in this family dynamic is Percy to Helen, that's the most tumultuous. So yes. you have pretty much every form of abuse you can think of has happened in that relationship. Mm-hmm. According to our uncle, the kids all got along with each other. I mean, they would have their normal siblings squabblings like anyone else. But if they were out and about and somebody was to pick on the other one, then that other brother is going to stand up and, you know, punch him in the face because that's how they dealt with a lot of their stuff (laughs) was punching people. Or just the deadpan way of you saying that. Punch him in the face. (laughs) Roger and Percy. Roger, remember, is the oldest. Growing up, Roger tended to be more of a pacifist and so a lot of his dealings with his dad would be to try to pacify him and this will come into play with the shootout that we're going to discuss later so would you say that he like tried to de-escalate situations by placating them yes he he would be the one that would have tried to be you in our family (laughs) be me (laughs) fair enough and i was paul so paul was the second oldest He was the one that would stand up to Percy, especially 
when Percy was being horrible to his mother. Wouldn't he take stitches out of him? Was that right? One time, Percy somehow got cut with a knife. I don't remember how. Paul stitched him up. That's what Rick was saying, which we'll, we'll include that clip. Yes, definitely. Yeah, he'd yeah. make Paul take needle and thread and sew him up. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, but playing with his playing with that old hunting knife he had. But I remember asking Uncle Rick, I was like, <laughs> on what planet would a parent think it is okay for their child yeah. to stitch them up? And he said He wasn't about to go to a doctor. My mom would have told him no. And Paul was like, okay. Which Helen, like grandma saying no in that, yeah. I'm like, okay, she had a bit of a sass to her too. Like, <laughs> oh, she did. There's a newspaper article I'll be posting of her sitting on a car picketing. Yeah. Grandma Helen had some throwback. Yeah, she definitely did. Which is, it's interesting because whenever I, I wouldn't really think that, yeah. you know, knowing her. T- no, you would. she's very like timid and stuff now. Yeah. But I mean, she's been through so much stuff, so it, it makes sense. But yeah, she definitely had a bite. Yeah. Back then. So Paul was the one I would say that had the most fight towards Percy. The one that was actually going to stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. Tony would go beat up other people around the block. Yeah, he took his aggression out. Yeah, elsewhere. On any... External sources. Yeah, other people. Yeah. He would be the kid that was probably expelled from school for fighting. (laughs) Rick just kind of avoided. He was younger also. Yeah. So he had more of an uh, avoidance strategy. Same with mom. But she said that she would rather pee in her bed than have to walk by his room to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and mind you, their house was tiny the size of probably the room that i'm in right now which is it was a it was considered a cabin yeah very very small um because again they were poverty poverty stricken as well i know i had basically asked them i was just like did y'all basically make yourselves scarce during the day and like only came home basically to sleep and that was pretty much what they tried to do yep they would come home for food like cornbread cornbread that was like, and with Percy, it was very much, you have to eat your food, which makes sense how he grew up because probably food yeah. was scarce. So you are going to eat your food. Yeah. And then when we had the milk that we had, when that milk ran out, we didn't have nothing but cream and water for our cereal. Evaporated so, milk, mix it with water. That's it. My mom was like, the cornbread was so dry. Like you would just dip it in your your milk or whatever thing you had just so it gave it a little bit of something to get it down. (laughs) Like, but you were eating that food. Um, That was not a question of it, but mom would also like, she would just be up in trees. She had gotten sap all in her tree, in her hair one time. And so uh, grandma just cut it all off because they couldn't get it out. But she would also spend time with spiders, which I know Nicole would love to do. Nope. Um, Like under their crawl space. Nope. She would rather spend time there than be in that house with him. Yeah. It was a very stressful environment, yeah. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Very. I'm trying to imagine you in the crawl space. <laughs> no. I wouldn't be in there, so you can't imagine me there. 
Oh, oh gosh. Nicole has an extreme fear of spiders. Yes. So. Do not let your eight-year-old watch arachnophobia. And then I found an article that was years ago about these spiders who were flying. Uh, and no. so she refuses to go to that place. Brazil. Ever. Yeah. It's off my list. I know it's a big country. It's off my list, though, because they, they were there. <laughs> I actually might just mark out all of South America. I'm not sure. Haven't come to a conclusion yet. So I do kind of like certain areas of South America to visit, but Uh not if they're there. Not if the spiders are there. (laughs) So mom's relationship with Percy was pretty much non-existent. And that's how um, Rick and Tony all said it was pretty much non-existent yeah well and one of the saddest things is um rick had brought up like he doesn't believe percy ever said i love you mm, i remember any that any yeah. of them ever and so that is one thing that my uncle rick makes sure to do with his with anybody that he cares about on the phone or like in person he's gonna make sure that he says that to you because he doesn't ever want that for the people in his life that he cares about and not ever hear that from him. And so it's just, it's, it's very sad that that was the dynamic with their dad. But I mean, to never hear that, to just know animosity really is what they were left with. It makes sense that they were angry. Yeah. At life. Absolutely. Essentially. But it also makes sense that Percy had his, stuff the way that he grew up with you know it's very hard to get out of that that generational cycle of abuse it's it's a lot and i mean it's what two generations yeah like they say i use this the average for when immigrants come over to completely assimilate they say is about four generations Mm. okay so if you take that kind of concept into play, then it would make sense that the generations we're seeing are already having problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now we kind of gave you an idea of what Percy's relationship was. Relationship was to his children, to his mm-hmm. wife. And kind of what the environment was like in that house, kind of painting that picture. Yes. And another question we asked was about friends. Yeah. Like, did he have friends? Which, I mean, we know Leo had friends. They just like to go out and rob cars and, you know, get in trouble that way. I feel like that's more of an accomplice, (laughs) not a friend. They both. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Or what's what's the word that the youth would use a lot whenever I was working with at-risk was an An associate. associate. They're not friends. They're an associate. Yeah. I I would roll my eyes so hard. <laughs> I would hear it. It's like, oh, okay. That just means you're not doing anything good. So, <laughs> so the only name that both Rick and Mom remembered was the name Harrison. Mm-hmm. If I remember yes. right, like they kept talking about there was a guy named Harrison. He'd come over. They were friends. They never got into arguments with each other that leads me to question like if he can actually have a legitimate friendship does that mean he doesn't necessarily qualify as a sociopath or those two 
different things. I don't know if he qualifies solely as a sociopath. Um, you have no way of knowing that. Um, well, yeah, just guesstimating. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he has a friend is good, but even the best sociopaths will have relationships. Okay. You know, like, think of, what, Bundy. He had a full-blown wife. But, I mean, he had relationships. Yeah. You can pretend. And the fact that he did go full throttle into trying to find Michael's body showed that he did care about things. Yeah, that did. And this predates the drowning. I'm bringing up an article that says repair job is nearly a tragedy. And this article came from the Herod Palladium in Benton Harbor, 1965. It said one man was knocked unconscious by electricity as he sought to repair a pump in a well pit and would be rescuer. So somebody came to try to save him was frozen to him. So they were stuck together because of the electricity. Oh, man. They ended up having to go to the hospital, but it says the name of the person that tried to save him, Harrison Lambert, about 34, same address. They lived with him. I mean, he had one really good friend named Harrison, and he had another friend, which was Harrison's brother named Bill, and they were good friends. I mean, they've been friends for a long, long time. So mm -hmm. he had lifelong friends, you know, people that he knew for a long time that he was very close with. I never seen a mad at them. I even heard of a mad at them or anything else. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what. We were sitting at the house one day, and we were just—I was just little—and we had this well underground, and uh, down there was electrical and stuff. You had to climb down there to do stuff for the electrical in the house, in the old houses, it was just kind of weird. Well, my dad got down there before they could turn the power off and started getting electrocuted, and Harrison dove head first. Now, we're talking about this thing six, seven feet deep in the ground. He dove down into that well to knock him off of that power surge, and they both ended up going to the hospital, and both of them almost died. Wait, they lived with them in that small? I think so. How? Did they fit that many people? Wait, this has a different address. Five five one two A Fikes Road. That's not the road for the little cabin. So this this must have been before they moved into the cabin. Then. Oh, okay. 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 That makes sense. But hair, yeah. And the name Harrison. Huh. I believe it was the ambulance driver who finally got there, who turned off the electricity, and was able to get them both out of the well and sent to the hospital oh my god but percy had a friend that was such a good friend that he was willing to attempt to rescue him now mm -hmm. when somebody is being electrocuted do not touch them yeah even don't, if you are don't friends. touch them Find it's help. not you're not yeah. going to be helping them because you're going to get electrocuted too and i'm sure it was just a reaction they're probably right by each other it was yeah. just electricity mm -hmm. When you're dealing with a well, I don't know. But, I mean, stuff happens all the time. But, yeah, yeah so he he had friends. He Yeah. Well, he had one friend that we know of. He had friends. He had friends. <laughs> he well, had and relationships friends. were probably extremely hard for him because he's never had a stable one. No. So. Because even his relationships with Vasper later on were, like, 
a few years in between and we'd go for a little bit and that's about it yeah yeah and they were cordial but there was nothing to indicate that they were at a a higher level than just cordial yeah Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wanted to share that article and that story because I was kind of surprised that he had a lifelong friend. Yeah. Um, just with the way he treated his family. Yeah. And well, and I mean, the fact that I don't, maybe it was like one of those, you know, whenever they, um, in the military and stuff, whenever you go through something traumatic and stuff, it bonds you. Um, oh, yeah, foxhole type thing. Yeah, no, that yeah. wasn't it. <laughs> Maybe their electrocution together. But, um, and that's another thing that we never really kind of we kind of breezed over it is the fact that he was in the military, and I feel like this is important for later because that means that he has military training. Yes. But that also means that he did go to war. So there was PTSD from that, which he already had PTSD due to his childhood traumas. But I don't think he was seeking any actual help for any of these things. No, because he would have seen that as something he didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just in general, mental health treatment really was stigmatized especially back then so i just want to make sure that we um kind of covered that because with this next part i don't see how that didn't come into play with some of the things that well he also grew up with vasper who loved guns so he probably early on learned how to use them and clean them just from where Mm -hmm. they grew up so that was possibly part of it but mm, yeah i don't know definitely be better equipped with the military training behind him yeah and it does make you wonder like did he show because i mean he obviously had guns did he go shooting with oh well no he um rick did mention that they would go hunting yeah they'd go hunting so yeah they did okay i just answered my question good job Yep, they went hunting, so they did. They definitely knew how to utilize a gun. Michael drowns in 69. In 1971, Percy actually has two assault charges pinned on him. One, he assaulted a state trooper with an axe. <laughs> yes, an axe. Who's carrying around an axe? Apparently he was. And then he also assaulted... Sonia. I won't say her last name, but that would be his sister-in-law. Okay. Now, what's interesting is the one with the sister-in-law drop got dropped because she wasn't willing to prosecute. Of course not. The victim was not willing to prosecute. Yeah. So glad that has changed. Yeah. Because, I mean, think of how many times things people would not get prosecuted for things because out of fear. Oh, yeah. Like, no. No. It needs to be in the hands of the prosecutor or solicitor mm-hmm. on stuff like that. Yeah. At this time, this is like September of 71, he is placed on probation for two years. For assaulting a police uh, officer with an axe? Yeah, with an axe. He gets yes. probation for two years? Yes, probation for two that's, years. Okay, yeah. that's pretty light. Oh. 
Um, well, I mean, you should watch some of the court TV I watch. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave you here in 1971 with Percy just having been placed on probation for well, essentially attacking a police officer with an axe. And we're going to take you into the next part of this series into a shootout that will occur between Percy, Roger, and the police officers in Berrien County Sheriff's Department. I'm going to leave this with the following takeaway from Uncle Rick. Sometimes you learn because you do the exact opposite. The word I love you never come out. Um, it just didn't. This wasn't work. Every time I talk to my kids, uh, I, I say I love them at the end of the conversation. I do that with Lisa. I do that with Tony. I do that with Paul. I do it with all my family. I mean, it's just something that uh, didn't have then, so I extremely do it now. And on that note, remember, be human. Be human.